Well, just yeah, and don't you know? Don't it was? It's not like it's horrible or anything, but it's just it's, it was. I just noticed it in the last two at least. Okay. All right. You said you're quieter than me. Is what you've noticed? Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. I'm which which aligns with our personalities. I'm very <laughs> I'm very timid yes, and reserved. Of so naturally. Uh. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, that can be that can be the start. Yeah, we can, we can start right there. Sure. Yeah, or I was gonna say, we could ha- we we have started. Yes, this is like the start. retroactively. <laughs> that we, was the start. Um, All right, that was the start. Um, so you asked me before we started, am I you know am I ready for the eclipse? And I am. I've got the glasses. I got the. I didn't think I did, and so I was doing lots of reading, lots of self calculating. Like, all right, I can glance right. <laughs> like I can look a little bit. Um. But then, you know, they got that one older gentleman who's doing the tour of all the TV shows like, well, you know, 50 years ago, I looked at it with my friend and I have been horribly scarred ever since. <laughs> and boy, he he scared me straight. But then I so I was like telling this to Gretchen and she's like, no, we have the glasses. They're on the table. We have them. I'm like, oh, sweet. You rock. <laughs> so as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to go out there and do some astronomy. Nice. I already looked at the Are you? straight at the sun. Oh, is it is it doing it there already? It's. Uh, I mean, I. I mean, it's it's not really doing anything. It's supposed to start around because you like, know the point, huh? You know the point is that it's an eclipse, not to just stare at the sun, right? That's what I, we're talking I, about. I kind of just wanted to look at the sun because I'm a daredevil. You're like, this like has that. got me curious about the sun. <laughs> yeah. People are talking. I I didn't realize. <laughs> I was like, oh, what is that flaming ball in the air? <laughs> I've never noticed it before. <laughs> just you know, uh, it's like John Lester's pickoff woes. They were always there. <laughs> just I didn't notice. People started talking about it, and it's like, oh, there it is. Uh, also, had to have special glasses for that. <laughs> Yes, the John Lester pickoff glasses. Those are hot selling item. Uh, yeah, we got our <laughs> we got our glasses last night. A friend randomly told my wife that she had extras while playing with the kids, and then she brought them over last night. So, uh, I mean, at, at the kids are at summer school, and I'm sitting, and and my wife's at work. So it's not like uh, it's not like we needed multiple. I just needed them for five minutes, I guess, in in an hour or so. But uh, uh, it's supposed to what it's supposed to get at its best around here around one is that right or two your time or what's it yeah I think that's that's right because here it's about two thirty okay. Eastern time so that would that sounds about right because yeah. that's a half an hour later than you guys yeah so that sounds about it's right. kind of overcast here I just went outside to kind of look at the sun and see I mean with the glasses uh, <laughs> to just see what it looked like uh, beforehand get a get an idea of what I'm looking at. Uh, uh, you know what the difference is going to be if there's anything there was what would like 20 ish years ago maybe 25 years ago there was something yeah i remember what was that i remember it must have just been like a partial one okay because i remember doing the pinhole thing yeah yeah i totally remember that and i was like well it's the big deal i can look at the sun uh, well it's a bit and you know it, all it does is just like you're just like well i can't see anything for two minutes now because <laughs> yeah, well <laughs> but you know what that is right like the you not being able to see for two minutes is da- it's like spraining your elbow a little bit but if you were to sprain it just a little bit more then you'd have to get tommy john for your eyes 
Like that's that is the actual damage. But, well, I understand uh, that's damage, but I'm, it's not permanent. The fact <laughs> is, my eyesight is better than it was at that age. <laughs> so at, I think for, more people the, should stare at the sun is what I'm saying. I was going to say the former lawyer in me is like, for the listeners of Limited Range, which is this podcast, by the way, we do not endorse or recommend staring at the sun. And we cannot be held liable for the words of local ignoramus Sahadev Sharma. Uh, that's him, by the way. You can follow him at Sahadev Sharma on Twitter. I'm Brett Taylor. You can follow me at Bleacher Nation. Read him at The Athletic. Read me at Bleacher Nation and don't stare at the sun. <laughs> uh, fine, don't stare at the sun. I'm not actually telling you to do that, but I wouldn't be so against it as others seem to be. I don't know. I think all this. There's, are you saying there's there's many sides <laughs> yeah, to this? Oh <laughs> uh, many sides to the staring at the sun. There's some, you know what? There's some there's some some good good people. good things on yeah. both sides of that. Some Eyes and sun and. <laughs> I know very, very some good sun. I know someone whose eyesight is better because of staring at the sun. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> it's from a Marvel movie. <laughs> I man. Hey man, what's your superpower? I just I, I see things really well. I stared it, at the uh, sun and helps. my eyesight's slightly better than it was. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, the uh, are we. Is that good for Eclipse Talk? I'm good. I didn't have, uh, you know. All right. Uh, There's only so much you can say <laughs> on a radio program about a visual thing that everyone will have seen by the time they're listening. Yeah. And so uh, I think we, we, we played that out. There's some good humor in there. Uh, but you know what's not funny? What? <laughs> Where, what? This season of Game of Thrones. Oh, you're, you're disappointed with Game of Thrones? Sucks. Yeah. And you know I'm what? Fine with it. Even if it, even if it wasn't suffering by contrast to the brilliant first six seasons, it would be bad on its own. And I won't, I, you know, I know people will be listening to this right away before perhaps they've had a chance to see it. So I will not spoil anything uh, explicitly. Oh, sorry, my son's interrupting. <laughs> Buddy, I'm on. I'm on the radio right now. He doesn't know what a podcast is. <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, I won't spoil anything directly from last night, but they have been doing it all season. The lamest Hollywood summer blockbuster BS fake imperiling people with the cliffhangers and the, oh, but how? Oh, no. Oh, way. Oh, my gosh. That was so close. All freaking season. And it's not as if I need people to die just for the sake of dying. But don't, don't do put that. them yeah. in situations. Like, you don't have to do that. I, you don't have to make it seem impossible to survive, and then they survive. I, I agree with that. Here's my thing, though. Like, I 100% agree with that, but for me, it doesn't make the whole thing suck. You know what I mean? I Well, because but it's not... No, let me just wrap up. Then. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Sorry for interrupting. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really lit up about this. Because it's not just that. I mean, it is everything from the horrible pacing to the ridiculous travel to the ridiculous storyline in Winterfell to the contrived, terrible plot that they've developed north of the wall to the hacky, hacky stuff that becomes so predictable. It is everything has been just capital B 
bad. And it's, it is so, it makes me so mad because it's like, this is the one event show still on TV in this era of peak TV and streaming and everybody can watch whatever they want, whenever they want. This is like the one thing that yeah. it feels like a you community is watching. Yeah, because I, I mean, I don't it watch just, it live and I, and I have to stay off Twitter. I know what you mean. Exactly. And it sucks. And so like that just makes it all the worse because it's it's ruining this thing that we waited a year and a half for for just seven episodes and they're they're just killing it. They're ruining it. <laughs> and I'm mad. All right. I'm going to go stare that's, at this. I song. mean, that's fair. I'm not going to like I, you know, I, I feel like for me, I think it's like a it, TV shows in general are impossible when they get close to the end to satisfy the the fans that have stuck with it all along it there it's like 50 percent are gonna hate it at least that I, I can't think of a single uh you know popular show of the past you know 10 15 years where everyone's been like yep that's how it should have ended uh, there's one there's one there's one i think there was pretty universal agreement that that it's that it's uh climactic final six episodes or so were spot on what breaking bad of course no that, that that's definitely not true i know so many people that hated the the last episode they think they it, the people no the people who did not like it they did not like the very 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 end. yeah and that's what i'm talking Just about it, they i mean they they there's no way you can satisfy everyone. People hated yeah, that final Game episode. Thrones, they thought that, Game and they say that ruined like, everything before that. That's what people that's, say. Well, but that's dumb. Yeah, but that's well, what I'm saying. Are there are always people that are going to be. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that you're just a, being a complainer because I I know you well enough in your TV uh, likes and dislikes that that you're not like that. Uh, I mean, the fact that you like Lost's final season says it all, right there. You're clearly yeah. not a complainer. I, I just uh, <laughs> uh, the lost fan of me is like fuck you. I think uh, well, I think I'm also uh, the type when I just absolutely love a show. I, I I'm wait. I want to see where everything's going. I agree. There are certain things. The one the one storyline where I think like I'm just like I really want to see where this is going before I judge it is what's going on in Winterfell uh, with Sansa and Arya because right now I don't like that at all. But I also am like I don't know what's what I'm really seeing here. You know what I mean? Uh, well, yeah, because they pulled it out of nowhere. I don't. Yeah. So, well, I don't think it's out of nowhere. I, I think it's it makes sense if if you like the relationship between those two has always been like that. Yeah, but not to have not to the level and with the justifications that have been offered. Like I don't buy it. They've t- it takes me out of the scene every time because I'm like. This is there's it's none of this is earned. I don't know. I which, just like which there, I there's like always been like this every simmering freaking scene this season. Yeah. No, there hasn't always been because we haven't seen them together in six seasons. Yeah, but remember how they were where they were together. Yes, and the, I do when they were like eight and ten, and then they come back as worldly women, and they're still like going to be sniping at each other with be like no. No, it's because they're no. I I stop I, it. I don't know. I disagree. Stop it. I think there's a way that you can they can sew this up, but it all depends on where it's going. Uh, the the stuff north of the wall is is I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> like how do you? God, I'm gonna spoil shit. But how do you fuck up a zombie dragon? <laughs> like how do you make everything that led to that 
so shitty that I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I can see that coming from a freaking mile away. Yeah. Wow, they really had to do some terrible gymnastics to make that happen. Which, and by the way, I mean, even within one episode, they completely ruined the what would have been a cool reveal of having the zombie dragon because they showed the zombie bear. And then we're like, oh, okay, that's a thing. So as soon as the dragons arrived, and as soon as he threw that javelin, you knew exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> all right, since we're all, I mean, but... The reveal, I agree, but to get, I also, uh, I'm not even going to go with theories because the the one theory I have is that the 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 the, the guy, the javelin thrower, the main uh, White Walker, set this all up. Like he he wanted that that to happen. The reason they didn't come and attack them, they kind of let them be there in the center, was because that she, he knew about the dragons and he was trying to draw the dragons here and he wanted to he wanted to create uh what blue-eyed dragons or white walker dragons that's what i I love i love you for espousing that theory (laughs) it would be embarrassing if that's what the actual like ex post facto explanation is and like because it completely elides over the whole hey we need to go get one white Let's go get one white. Oh, and by the way, there's a perfect ro- ranging party where when I kill the White Walker, oh, all but, but one, one <laughs> dies. Oh, that was bad too. I mean, yeah, it just breaks my heart because it's like this is shit you would see on some crappy show, and you would tear it apart. But nobody wants to tear it apart because it's Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, there. Are, I mean, well, come on, a lot of people are tearing this apart. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, you're right. You're right. I've seen it this. I last night I felt like it was not, but then I have really. This I mean, after the leak, it's getting the, There was the leak, and people were complaining after. Some people had uh, seen well, the I leak. Avoided, I assiduously avoided it. No, I avoided so the I, leak I, I as well, nothing. and I yelled at people that that were <laughs> talked about the leak. I'm like, I don't even want to hear it. If it was good or bad, I don't care. <laughs> like, don't even tell me anything. Oh, I just really. Uh, we should probably like talk about baseball. <laughs> I just realized it's been like 15 minutes of the Eclipse and Game of Thrones. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Uh, fast forward through that. Uh, probably should have started with that. We'll, Oops. <laughs> sorry. We'll just we'll do a really quick um, uh, time skip, just like Game of Thrones right now. And uh, so, hey, how was that game yesterday? That was pretty wacky. That was. Speaking of su- speaking of surprising endings, I. <laughs> uh i i mean i don't know i don't know why but for me that was the most that was the most entertained i've been this season covering a game uh and you know just you know i don't know javi Baez is was 0 for 5 is that right he was was he 0 for 4 or 0 for 5 yesterday i think he had one hit no he i don't think he had a hit was it he zero for yesterday? Well, you go with you go with where you're he going. Was, I'm gonna he was pop zero up that for box five uh, yesterday, and he that was the best game played by on offense for an zero for five player. I, has there ever been a more exciting zero for five night on offense? Uh, because what happened in the tenth inning? Just I mean that was uh, I I don't understand how people say. I understand the criticisms of him, the specific strikeouts, the the swinging pitches in the dirt, but the lack of hustle. The he's such an exciting and intelligent player. Uh, he, I mean, everything that he did on the base paths to get on base. I mean, that takes 
hustle and smarts, baseball smarts. Uh, I mean, and just pure ridiculous baseball talent. I mean, there's an argument to be made that he, as far as baseball skills go, he's right there up at the top uh, of baseball. He has a lot of things that need to come together to really materialize into, you know, what he can be. But he's already a very valuable player. And it, it, like, I get it, frustrating, up and down, uh, the throwaway in Arizona, terrible play, uh, five strikeout game, swinging and missing at balls in the dirt. But, I mean, what he did yesterday, that is one of the most exciting moments I've seen. And it was just, just fun to watch, just fun to see develop. Uh, insane, doesn't make any sense, steal a game, stuff like that. It's just fun to see stuff like that. And and uh, that, that was just one of those moments that we haven't had a lot of this year, and it seemed like you know there were dozens of them last year. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I, I agree on all that. I mean, it's just even for setting aside the Javi-specific part of it, but like to have two strikeouts – reach base in the same inning and both of them score in extra innings yeah. and have that be required to and win. And then another wild pitch just, that scored a run yeah. and put Zobrist at and second, it, you know, that was critical it, as well. It's just crazy. I mean, it's just, you just don't see that. I would, I would hazard to, to speculate that that was the first time in baseball history that that's happened uh, to, to come back from a multiple run deficit in extra innings thanks to two strikeouts reaching base. So I bet that's never happened before. So Jesse tweeted something that I was like, like after he tweeted, I'm like, Jesse, there's no way that's true. And he said, no, I double checked. Uh, according to ESPN stats and info, that's the first multi-run comeback in extra innings. This year. Yeah, I saw this that year. Too. Sorry, sorry, 2017. Yeah, I had the same reaction you did. I thought, wait a minute, that, doesn't that happen? I mean, I know it doesn't happen all the time. But you you see that team takes the lead and then the other team then finally scores. Like I mean, I just yeah. know I've seen that. Um, but uh, but I, mo- I like I trust ESPN stats and info. Yeah, I mean I, I trust them, but it, like I was when I saw that I like I like was like Chessy, this has to be wrong, man. There's no way a team is hasn't come back from a multi-run deficit in extra innings. But apparently that's true, which I mean is just wild. Um, I don't know. I mean, when you have those games, I know there's so much to pick apart in that game if you really want to, and there's so many things. I mean, we'll talk about some of them, I'm sure. Uh, there there are issues with this team, but when you have a game like that, it, like I almost feel like it's like, okay, let's. Uh, what can that do? What can that do to a team? I don't know for sure if there's an effect. Uh, obviously, uh, who starts tomorrow on Tuesday? Lackey. If Lackey goes out there and gives Lackey. up six runs we can forget about any sort of, you know, saying like, oh, well, that was a great moment. It just, you know, it was just one of those moments that felt big. uh, And I know we've said that a few times this season. uh, But this one was reminded me of the Colorado game uh, in 2015. And maybe this season is just like that. A flawed team, uh, you know, gets hot towards the end of the season, makes the playoffs and, and loses to a team that's uh, just playing better in in October, I, and I I don't honestly I'd be surprised if the Cubs win the World Series this year. Well, I shouldn't say surprised. Um, 
because anything happens in the postseason. But you know what I mean. I, I, I don't. If if yeah, let yeah. me put it, it. Let me try to frame it. I think every observer would agree that although the playoffs, they're a crapshoot in the sense that um, the results, the outcomes, do not always or even often reflect the if you had to pick one of these two teams to win it right yeah. and that's because the margins are so small but that doesn't mean that you can't tip the odds just a little bit you know make it instead of being 51 49 a really good team can make it 55 45 um this cubs team unlike last year's cubs team i don't think is going to tip any of those odds so i think that of course they can win the world series because any team that goes to the playoffs can win the world series but this is not going to be a team that's like, whoa, they're that rare playoff favorite. I think we already know who the rare playoff favorite is going to be uh, this year in the National League. So. Yeah, I mean, geez, what a, I mean, what a season the Dodgers are having, huh? <laughs> so I, I tweeted this out earlier, but it just blew me away when I saw it. So the Cubs are right now on pace to win 87 games. The Dodgers already yeah. have 87 <laughs> wins. Oh, man. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, every single time I look at their record, I'm like, what? That's insane. Like, how do you do that? Um, but, hey, it's not like we haven't seen a team set a win record and then lose in the playoffs before. Uh, yeah. So, it'll be, I mean, you almost, is there any part of you that would feel for Dodgers fans if, because it's, uh, granted, it's not 108 years, but it has been over 30 years for them. And to have like just several consecutive very very good teams, and still not get it done, would you feel for Dodger fans if they bow out? Mm, I'm not sure. Maybe. What what hangs <laughs> you up about that? I don't know. I I mean I don't really feel for fans that that you don't feel for anybody. Uh, oh, I, what about Pirates fans when they were you know 30 years between playoff appearances? No. I mean, it, it, why, like, <laughs> you're cold, man. Cubs fans had to wait 108 years. People lived and died, were born and we died got to without see at least seeing some competitive seasons. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why. In why our should that make it better? Doesn't that add more pain? No, but it gives us something to like to to do. <laughs> Can you imagine that stretch as Pirates fans, where it's like, oh, hooray, it's another season that we're gonna suck. Oh. God. No, I get no. <laughs> I, I guess I, I feel some, feel something. I don't know what that feeling is. You're just, you just, you just don't want to give John any, uh, any, any pleasure of, <laughs> of being like I, I feel for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that that as well. Uh, I mean, eh, why? I mean, everybody suffers. We're, I'm a Bears fan right now. Like that's suffering. That's uh yeah, that's true. It's longer than Dodgers fans have waited. And shittier teams. That's true. That's true. That's true. So, in any case, um, Cubs are arguably playing pretty well now, which, of course, came after a stretch of not, which the last time that we spoke, they had uh, played that just really, really poor series against the Giants. And then, of course, uh, true to 2017 Cubs form, they went out and won a series in the Diamondbacks' place. And then, of course, they, they came back to split with the Reds and sweep the Blue Jays. I mean, it's a good stretch right now, and it's they're in the middle of a stretch against a whole lot of very beatable teams that I hate hearing from fans when they're like, this team can only beat bad teams. And it's like, 
uh, first of all, that's what you're supposed to do yeah. <laughs> if you're a good team. Second of all, do you know those those other, quote, good teams that your team can't beat? Do you know how they became, quote, good? Because they win a lot of games, and a lot of those games come against other good teams. That's just the way it is. Ugh, if you beat all the bad teams and the good teams, you know what you'd be? Undefeated. <laughs> you, know how many, you know how many undefeated baseball teams there have been? Only like six or seven. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's rare. It's when when the Cubs are you know losing to uh, to uh, to good teams on the road or losing to the Giants and and you know or struggling against the the Nats and the and the Diamondbacks at home, uh, and then the Cardinals are just beating up on on uh, yeah, an easy schedule. Nobody that was freaking out about that was saying, well, the Cardinals are just beating up on bad teams. <laughs> You know, right. the people that were they're like, well, the Cardinals are just hot now. There's no way you're going to beat the Cardinals. No, no team's ever gotten hot before. And suddenly the Cardinals are hot. And they're the only team that's ever and ever will be hot, ever gotten hot. So I guess the, the Cubs are going to fall apart now. The, the, the I mean, the, the loops, people just like uh, the oh man, the twist and turns of a season. It's one hundred and sixty two games. And everyone wants to treat every stretch as like the biggest stretch of baseball ever. Uh, there are bad games, there are ugly games, there are ugly losses, there are unacceptable losses. Uh, but then a good team has to move on and, and play well after that. And and I and I feel like uh, that you know as annoyed as I get about bad play uh, was our last podcast after that Giants series, and then they. They did a pretty good job of answering and playing some solid baseball after that. So I mean, they're seven and three since then. So you'll take that. You, you play like crap. You lose your hottest player on offense uh, for four to six weeks, and and now you're uh, now you're playing some some better baseball. You know, I, I the scoring some runs, uh, getting some solid starting pitching, and. You know, the bullpen is the biggest question right now. And a month and a half ago, that was the lone bright spot almost. So it's weird how uh, baseball is just so weird. Such a long season. And, and we, you know, every single segment is broken down. And I guess that's what our jobs are. But it's it's just like it's also our jobs to make sure we don't overreact to those little segments as well. Yeah, it's to provide a layer of context between the the immediacy of fan experience and the uh, digestion of a 162 game season. Um, to that end, I want to talk about the bullpen a little bit because I think we would both agree there are some legitimate concerns even as it ebbs and flows. Uh, but before we get into that, we're going to hear from our uh, our, our sponsor, which is uh, Brett going to the bathroom because uh, <laughs> I drank a, a whole bunch of sodas this morning at Panera while I was working because it's there and I can fill it up again and again and again and again. <laughs> and I did. And I'm about to burst. So I'm going to go do that right now. All right. I'll, cut, I'll, I'll, right I'll cut this out then. Well, I don't feel like talking. I mean, you could leave that part yeah. in because that's kind yeah, of Yeah, no, we'll uh, leave that in. Sure. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Admit it. You were just going to check out the eclipse without any glasses. I cannot see who is talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, you know what never lets down? You know what never fails? What's that? A really good pee. <laughs> that just, it never disappoints. Yeah. 
No, no plot, not no plot holes there. <laughs> yeah. So, back to the Cubs bullpen. Uh, okay. In all in all seriousness, now <laughs> the pen, as you said rightly, was a bright spot for a very long stretch of the season. Uh, they they have gotten surprisingly excellent contributions from guys like Brian Dunsing. Uh, Pedro Strope has been very good for a while. Hector Rondon hit a stretch where he was he had really turned it back on. Wade Davis, although he's had his ups and downs, he was generally getting the results. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr., of course, had a brilliant start to the season. And now here in the second half, among the things we have seen, we've seen Carl Edwards go through a stretch where he could not command his pitches. We saw Koji Hara be blown up. We've seen Wade Davis really struggle with his command at times. We have seen Hector Rondon seem to kind of lose it again. We've seen Justin Wilson go from being like one of the best relievers in the American League with the Tigers to being ineffective every single time he takes the mound so far for the Cubs. And against that backdrop, I think it is fair to... There's my cat meowing at me. <laughs> uh, against that backdrop, I think it is fair to be concerned about like what is the next month and a half going to look like in relation to how we're going to feel going into the playoffs if the Cubs make the playoffs. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, I'm looking at the second half numbers of the, of the bullpen right now, just each individual. I mean, there's some ugly things going on here, but there are some encouraging things too. I mean, Hey, Felix Pena has a hundred percent K rate in the second half. So that's good. Right. Uh, but also he's only faced three batters. So, I guess that's, uh, <laughs> that we, we can't read too much into the Felix Pena hot streak. Uh, no, but, I mean, there's so many. Uh, I For me, the biggest thing is Justin Wilson. Uh, the way he's performed, uh, he's he's walked one of every four batters he's faced. He's barely struck out anyone. Uh, he, he's a, What I'm seeing is a guy that seems to be in his own head struggled with a new team out of the gate and uh, kind of uh, is searching for his confidence, searching for that. I, I feel like, and I could be wrong, There's, I don't think there's any real uh, baseball numbersy thing that we can say, oh, that's how he's got to be fixed. You know, this is, uh, he's got to just do this and, and he's fine. I think it's a very mental right now. And and the reason that is is because we've seen what he can do. If you've watched him before, before he came to the Cubs, he's not a bad reliever. He's a very very good reliever. And what what has it been? Seven outings, eight outings, whatever it is that he's he's made with the Cubs, uh, it's he's been awful in every single outing. Bad. There, there, there's no way to get around that. Uh, what is it? 5.2 innings in, in eight games for the Cubs. Uh, that 6.35 ERAs is, is the, is generous. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say it, that does not really tell the story. Yeah, it, it's nine walks, nine hits, uh, just, just really bad. And, and I really think what he needs is, uh, one inning where he, where he faces three batters, gets a strikeout or two, uh, just just a clean frame, uh, no three ball counts or anything, just just a nice outing, 
and I think that's how you get your feet under you, and and he he'll go from there. I really believe he's going to be fine. I do. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know if if that if if, if he's going to be some key piece in the playoffs or anything like that. Who knows? Uh, I I just really I, I I'm not. I, I shouldn't say I'm not concerned, but I'm I'm sure there will be a moment where it clicks for him because he's this isn't who he is. Uh, Maybe he doesn't get his feet under him this season, though. Maybe that's a real thing. I don't know. That'd be weird. I mean, don't you agree that that'd be well, very weird if he doesn't? That'd be very strange. It would. What it would remind me of is, uh, well, so I have a couple layers of responses to that. Because I agree with everything that you said uh, from an outside perspective. Um, you know, this is a guy who's been successful for a very long time. Relievers are fickle, yes. But generally... Guys who've been as established as Wilson and who are peaking at the age that Wilson is, they tend not to, without injury, just totally lose it. That tends not to happen. And so I agree with you that it just seems like there needs to be some kind of triggering moment that that just flips a switch and he's back to being himself. I I don't know what's going to cause that. It already feels like, um, at least in a couple of the outings in his last four, it kind of seems like Joe Madden was trying to set him up for success with a, a lower leverage inning, and it just didn't work out. And it, t- it turned a couple low leverage innings into high leverage ones. And it's going to really be a difficult situation if he stinks through the rest of the year. The Cubs were kind of wanting and aiming to be in a position where they knew they would have him next year, knew they'd have him as a back-end option, and it would kind of set them up with some comfort in the offseason uh, in terms of what they were going to do or not do in the bullpen. And so if he stinks the rest of the way, then you're kind of up against it. And it's like, well, what do we have in the bullpen? So and particularly because you got Hector Rondon, by the way, who's coming into his last year of arbitration, going to make a lot of money if they tender him. And if you don't know what you have in him either, it's just, it's, ugh. I mean, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but it, it makes me a little uneasy. So that's one thing I wanted to comment on. Uh, the other is, um, oh, what it, what it reminds you of. So it would be rare f- for a guy to just lose it like this. But you look at a guy like Adam Warren, who consistently very good with the Yankees in a swing role. He, he's a very solid starter. He was an excellent reliever, comes to the Cubs. And even by his own admission later on, something just didn't click with him being with the Cubs. There was just some kind of comfort level some kind of whatever, the way he was working with the team and being used, it just did not work for him. And so what do we see? Half season of terrible, terrible performance goes back to the Yankees and immediately he's himself again. And that is, I think, rare. I think there's a human element in there somewhere that we might not ever fully grasp, but it at least does make you pause and worry just a tiny bit um, that if you were going to have a situation where a, a relatively steady reliever would just kind of lose it after a trade like this, well, I guess this is what it would look like if that was ever going to happen. You know, going from a non-contender to a contender, getting the spotlight shined on you, kind of struggling early, it gets to you, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying that is what's happening. I'm just saying that's what it would look like if that were a real thing. So... I pause for a moment at least. I pause uh, on the possibility. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, that's uh, and I think what that is is you know part of it is uh, you feel comfortable with the way things are done, 
in certain organizations. And uh, I mean, we've seen a lot of pitchers thrive with the way things are done with the Cubs, right? It's not like uh, what the Cubs are doing is bad uh, for pitchers, but it also doesn't mean that it's right for everyone. So I think uh, there's a little bit of uh, this isn't so much a criticism as it is uh, wondering, you know, Warren didn't could never find his footing in Chicago. How much of that was because it was just randomness, weirdness. He just couldn't get comfortable. That's his own issue type thing. Or how much of it was, you know, he couldn't adjust to the fact that the Cubs do things a certain way. Uh, perhaps uh, the Cubs should have just allowed him, as long as it's not hurting other people around, uh, do things his way. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it, it, yeah. I mean, I think, and that, and it could be a combination of those things too. So I mean, it, and I wonder how much of that is going on with Justin Wilson. Uh, how you kind of adjust that, how you kind of, where, where the, if this is going on, if say Justin Wilson comes in and like the way they prepare, the way they get ready for a game, the way, uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, something to do with uh, that some tweaks and mechanics are requested. I don't know. I don't believe that has happened with uh, Wilson, but this is more like a, um, a, a preparation standpoint and getting ready thing. How is that different than how it was in Detroit? And is that affecting Justin Wilson? Uh, it's something that I, I thought of uh, over the weekend and, and it's on my list of things to kind of uh, ask him uh, about and see where he, you know, where the comfort level is there and how you kind of adjust to that. It, it, it can't be easy uh, coming to a new organization and suddenly, uh, doing things in a different way. If that's the case, that's that's something that he, you know, you have to adjust to and figure out uh, on both sides. Uh, P- the the Cubs should figure out a way to get him comfortable, and he needs to figure out a way to to you know kind of meet them in the middle. If that's if that if need be, I just think it's a it's an interesting thing because we kind of also saw it with Montgomery when he first arrived. Uh, I think he kind of struggled with the way things were done and like he didn't fit in right away. And he, uh, he had a couple bad outings and almost got buried. Remember? Uh, yes. he, and he was, uh, his was a little, little shorter term, little flukier well, in my and it, and it, recollection. But. And what happened was, uh, he kind of fell to the background because of Chapman, right? He was supposed to yeah. be a much, yeah. probably helped. Yeah. yeah. The, and, and what happened was suddenly he wasn't this, you know, the Cubs need a lefty reliever that can get guys out. Uh, they're they're going to be facing these big lefty bats in the postseason. Oh, they have to have a lefty reliever that can get guys out. Uh, and at first he was looked at, everyone was like, whoa, this is the guy that, that they got, right? And, and okay, and then Theo's saying things like, uh, you know, we, we have scouts that believe he's, uh, you know, you have to find, you, you can't buy the current Andrew Miller, you have to find the next Andrew Miller, right? And so, <laughs> so you hear things like that, and you're like, okay, this guy has great potential. And he goes out there and he's giving up hits and, and he's walking guys and you're wondering what, what's going on. And suddenly all the pressure is taken off because they get Chapman and the spotlights on Chapman and, and Montgomery can go work different innings and, and become a different, completely different, fill a different role completely than what 
uh, was once seen, uh, you know, when he was first uh, brought on board. So, and and he's doing that now too, right? He's a completely different role than originally uh, people thought. They thought he was going to be a lefty reliever, just a you know a one inning uh, type guy that could really uh, be that used in certain situations. Now he's used in all sorts of situations, and 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 he's in the rotation. So it's uh, it's weird. It, I, there's a lot of little things, including being traded in the middle of a season from, uh, you know, a team out of it to a team into it in the race. Uh, all these things that you can't really measure and truly understand what uh, what impact they have, but they have to have some impact. You know what it really is? It's, it's the bullpen dancing. <laughs> this is karma. He's, no, he's just it's throwing him off. Oh, he doesn't like. He's, he's, he's in his, not. Yeah. he's not comfortable yeah, he's, dancing when he's out there. When he's out there pitching, he's thinking about his next dance move. Yeah. He's like, I gotta impress those guys. <laughs> My worm just ain't cutting it. I saw Edwards doing the worm. And it was really good. I got it. And he's thinking. He's just. He's. That's what he's way too in his head about is the dancing. I buy it. I think you're right. <laughs> you know there's someone out there who, like, assume, I mean, I'm sure I've seen it in my mentions, that when he struggles, it's like, they should really be focused more on pitching than dancing. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I've seen that plenty of times. Well, maybe if they didn't spend so much time dancing in the bullpen, they could get guys out. <laughs> I have a chart uh, that shows a direct correlation between uh, walks issued and dance moves. <laughs> oh my god somebody please research that like who is the most uh, correlation between who is doing the most aggressive dancing and then appeared in the game within the next three innings and had less command than usual that, <laughs> uh, that would be horrifying but fun that would be delicious oh i lost you all right oh, we're okay. back uh i don't know where this cut off so we'll we'll see where it was but uh yeah, make that make that dance moves to uh, <laughs> to walks issued uh, chart for us. I'm, it's on like the third page of Fangraph stats. It's, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, some guys just have that ability to, to be unaffected by the dancing, <laughs> um, and other guys. It, it's um, one one unfortunate thing about the bullpen dancing is it's just the relievers. I wish it was all the players on the Cubs so we could get a really, really strong analysis of everybody's dance moves. Like, who's got them? Who don't? And, uh, you know, I, I just I just would like to know. I'd like to know. And who opts for the horse head. And yeah, these are important things. Head. This uh, is what matters. Everybody gets so caught up in the baseball. That's not what matters. <laughs> well, someone's going to have to break it all down eventually. I'm sure it's been broken down to – uh, certain degrees, but we need like in-depth analysis of all the dance videos by the end of the it's, year. Yeah, it's an off-season project. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll put that on. I'll put that on the on the list. <laughs> all right. Well, now we have assignments for everyone. Uh, I think that's it. That's uh, another episode of Limited Range in the Books. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. That's Brett Taylor. You can read his work at Bleacher Nation and follow him at Bleacher Nation on Twitter. Uh, I'm Sahadev Sharma. You can follow me at Sahadev Sharma on Twitter and read my work at The Athletic. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, what do we got this week? Cincinnati and the Phillies. Ooh, and I'm going on vacation. I didn't even tell you that. I didn't even in all our small talk. I didn't. I'm taking my first vacation with the wife, sans kids, 
since wow. pre-kids. Since the wow. last time we went on a vacation without the kids was pre-kids. Uh, we got a wedding in yeah, Portland, that's a, and uh, we're going to kind of extend it a few days and, and hang out. So That is fantastic. Yeah. So I'll take – so you, I'm, I'm going to try and – we'll see if I actually do it, but I'm just going to try and – Maybe I'll have to delete Twitter from my phone for the weekend and see if I can <laughs> yeah, actually do Yeah, try to just totally unplug. Yeah, I mean, I, I still want to, I'm going to, you know, keep track of the Cubs, but I don't want to, like, kind of unplug on Twitter. Oh, and I'm going to yeah. miss Game of Thrones. Oh, no. i got to figure out what I'm going to do about that. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, well that's, that's uh, you know, that's my Portland uh excursion. I, I'm going to have to try and figure out how to how to live life away from technology. Uh, it's going to be difficult. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, that's uh, limited range. Take care. You can try out some of those bullpen dance moves at the wedding. Well, Mr. Burns had done it. The power plant had won it. With Roger Clemens clucking all the while. Mike Sosha's tragic illness made us smile. While Wade Boggs lay unconscious on the barroom tile. We're talking softball. From Maine to San Diego, talking softball. Manningly and Canseco, Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw. Steve Sachs and his running with the law. We're talking Homer, Ozzy and the Straw. We're talking softball. From Maine to San Diego, talking softball. Mattingly and Canseco, Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw. Steve Sachs and his running with the law. We're talking Homer, Ozzy and the Straw.